Thank you for being here in person, and thank you for joining us online. And we have guests with us this morning, and thank you for choosing to come to Bellevue. We believe that the difference, that the distance down here is worth the difference. So thank you for coming to join us. And uh, I'd like to meet you after church. I'll be in the gathering place, and uh, come by, and let's get acquainted. Well, school starts tomorrow for the teachers and the school personnel. And where has the summer gone? Wow. And then kids start, what, the 19th, 17th? So it's been a quick summer. So I would like to pray over the teachers and the school staff and all of you who work in any way with the school system. Let's start with this. Let's have all the teachers stand. Have all the teachers stand. We got any teachers? All right. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. And then all of you who work, keep standing, all of you who work in any way with the school system, any way with the school system, stand up, deputy. Uh, so all you, all you. Let me have a prayer for you and particularly uh, for our students. Father, we pray first for our students, K through college. And we trust your promise that you will protect them from anything that would harm their bodies and their minds and their souls. And I pray that this will be a wonderful school year experience uh, for all of them. And Father, we pray for teachers and administrators and support, and support staff. And what an often awesome privilege and responsibility it is to be involved in the education of young minds. And all of us here remember with great fondness those teachers that molded us and shaped our thinking. I thank you for Miss Cates, who taught me to read. I thank you for Coach Van Hus, who was such a tremendous influence on me in high school. And I thank you for Dr. Floyd Clark, who took me under his wing in college and marked my life and marked it well. So, Father, we thank you for all of those teachers in the past and in the present. So, Father, give the teachers and the administrators and all the support staff wisdom and patience and love as they deal with our students. We ask this for them, Father, this school year. Now, Father, pour through me the gift of preaching. Take these human words today and use them to speak to us. Give each of us just the message you want us to hear because we pray to you in the name of Jesus. And all God's people join me and said, Amen. Thank you very much. I am not in a series now, and I will not be in a series till after Labor Day. And after Labor Day, I am going to start a series on grace. A trip to Graceland to see the king. And uh, it will be a good series on grace. This morning I want to talk to you about when we don't understand. Every person here has had to deal with stuff in their life that they did not understand. It made no sense whatsoever to us. So how do you deal with that. So let's talk about it. 
Look on the screen, this picture of this good-looking young man is Craig Mullins. He was the quarterback for Boone County High School, and in 1986, he led Boone County to a Class 4A state championship game. He grew up with my children at First Church. His mother, at one time, worked in our office. Next to, next to Sean Alexander, Craig was one of the most celebrated high school football players in northern Kentucky. He went on to be the star quarterback for Georgetown University, and Craig holds many football records at Georgetown, and he was a two-time academic All-American. He stayed at Georgetown and for 16 years was the very successful quarterback coach and the, de defensive, and the defensive coordinator at Georgetown, winning two national championships and went four times to the national finals. In 2011, the NAIA named him assistant coach of the year. In 1999, NAIA named him the coordinator of the year. On June the 6th, 2013, he was inducted into the Northern Kentucky Sports Hall of Fame. Craig Mullins was a very successful football player and a very successful coach. But if you knew him, you would know that he was a better person than he was a coach, a tremendous young man. In 2014, in December, in 2013 rather, Craig was appointed the offensive coordinator for Moorhead State University, a Division I university. And as he told me, his dream job to make it to a Division I school. But in December of 2014, he was diagnosed with four-stage lung cancer. He had never used tobacco in any form. And when they found the cancer, it had spread so much that it had really destroyed his hip and the bones in his leg. After several treatments on his lungs, hoping to stop the cancer, they did a full body scan and discovered that the cancer had spread to his brain. And I sent him a note whenever I found that out, and he had the best attitude, and he said, back to me. He said, LD, don't be discouraged. I am not. Well, he ended up in UK Medical Center, and on April the 24th, 2015, I went to see him, and he had just had a tube inserted into his lungs to drain off the fluid, and we could not talk much because he was sedated. I went back the next day on April the 25th, and we had a wonderful conversation. And I said to him, Greg, buddy, I do not understand this any more than you do. I do not. And he would say, Eldie, what do I do about? And we would talk about it. What do I do about? And we would talk about it. What do I do about? We would talk about it. And then he dropped his head and he began to sob. Eldie, what do I do about my boys. I had to go and I hated to leave him and it hurt like crazy seeing him like that. And I leaned my head against the wall outside his room and sobbed. The cancer spread very rapidly. And on Monday, May the 11th, 
2015 at exactly 9 o'clock in the morning, Craig went to be with the Lord. When I got off the phone with Craig's dad, I sat for a long time and kept saying, Father, I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand. There is so much that happens to us that we do not understand, right? Why is there so much cancer? Why this plague of COVID-19? Why is it surging again? Why do good people suffer? Who can understand Alzheimer's? Why do we hurt one another? Why cannot we get along? Why are there so many suicides? Why are there so many accidents? Accidents are so hard to understand you can never go back from the accident. And there is so much that happens to us and to those that we love that we don't understand. When that happens, where do we go for courage and strength and poise? When the storm of life breaks on us in all of its fury and we don't understand, where do we go? I want to take you to Matthew, the 14th chapter this morning, if you want to turn there. Matthew, the 14th chapter, verse 22, starting with 22 down to 32. And uh, I am reading, as usual, from the Christian Standard Bible. Listen. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After dismissing the crowds... He went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night, he was there all alone. And meanwhile, the boat was already some distance from the land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. Jesus came toward them, walking on the sea very early in the morning. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them, Have courage, it's I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, Command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him, caught hold of him, and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got in the boat, the wind ceased. And then those in the boat worshipped him and said, Truly you are the Son of God. Of God. Now look in this text at how deeply in trouble the disciples were. Battered by the waves. The wind was against them. They were terrified. They cried out in fear. He was afraid. Lord, save me. Now the disciples did not understand why they were about to die because Jesus had told them to get in the boat and go to the other side. The text says he made them. 
One translation says he compelled them to get into the boat. Dr. Warren Wiersbe in his commentary on this text says, the storm, the storm came because they were in the will of God. <laughs> Did Jesus know the storm was coming? Certainly. Did he deliberately direct them into the storm? Yes. They were safer in God's will than on land with the crowd out of God's will. This is what Dr. Wiersbe says. We must never judge our security on the basis of circumstances alone. The disciples almost lost their life because they were in the will of God. And a lot of Christians have the mistaken idea that just because we are obedient to God, we are going to have smooth sailing. And that is not so. Obedience is no guarantee of being spared adversity. The disciples were doing exactly what Jesus told them to do. And they're going to die and they don't understand it. John Ortberg has written a great book. If you want to walk on the water, you've got to get out of the boat. Isn't that great? And in, in it he says, now that the storm has their full attention, Jesus decided it was time the disciples got to know a little bit more about this guy who was piloting this thing. It's like this, he assured them. You can safely place your destiny in my hands. Take courage, it is me. Now, out of the Matthew 14 text, I want to pull three truths that will help us when we do not understand. And the first one is this. Trust God, he will come to you. Trust God, he will come to you. When the storm has broken on your life, trust God, he will come to you. The text says, Jesus came toward them walking on the sea. Now, I like the way the NLT translates verse 27. But Jesus spoke to them. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Now, I don't want you to lose the force of Jesus' words. Take courage. I am here. Jesus used an expression there that the disciples would understand. The words I am are the same Greek words that are that for the Hebrew words that God used in Exodus 3:14 to describe himself. He said, I am. I am. Here Jesus is linking himself with God who in the Old Testament miraculously delivered his people again and again. Now Jesus is not just saying here, don't be weary, don't worry, it's, it, it's, not, it's, it, it's me, I'm not a ghost. Jesus is saying, I am the Lord God of the universe. I created this universe. I created the wind. I created the waves. I even sent you into the storm. But I am coming to you in and through the storm. So you don't need to be afraid. I'm in charge. I have chosen you. And therefore, you do not need to be afraid. Now, haven't you learned that God is closest to us and more powerfully with us when we're hurting. You've, you've learned that. Maybe it's because during those times we're more open to God. 
Maybe when we're hurting, we're more open to him. But you know what I believe? I, I believe God is like a loving parent, and loving parents want desperately to be with their children when they are in pain, right? Again, John Ortberg says, they didn't fully grasp it. But God was visiting them in the water-walking flesh. Matthew wants his readers to know that Jesus comes when least expected, 3 o'clock in the morning, in the middle of the storm. Dale Brunner was, was a theologian. And he notes, Dale Brunner notes, according to Holy Scripture, this is good. I wish I could think like this. According to Holy Scripture, human extremity is the frequent meeting place with God. Haven't you found that to be true? Human extremity in the storm is the frequent meeting place with God. And if we are not careful, we will miss Him. So when we are in our deepest grief, when we are hurting the most, when we feel like we are far from God, that is when God is most near. I thought of an old song this morning when I was working on this. I hadn't heard it in years. Just when I need him most, just when I need him most. So just when we need him most, he comes. When we don't understand, trust God, he will come to us. Let me pull a second truth out of this that will help us when we don't understand. Celebrate. Get out of the boat. Get out of the boat. Now, folks, one of the qualities I love about the Apostle Peter is that not only here but all through the Gospels, Peter is the one who takes the risk. He is full of life, living on the edge, and Peter is not afraid to take the plunge and celebrate life. Look what he said. Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, come. And look at this. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. Lord, I see you walking on the water. Can I try this? Let me taste this miracle. Now, when you don't understand, don't be afraid. Get out of the boat. Celebrate the life that you do have in the storm. Now, you know, I found out that a number of commentators really react very negatively to what Peter did. Uh, some of the commentators call him impulsive and headstrong and foolish and proud uh, for wanting to walk on the water. And one of my favorite preachers in the sermon just raked him over the coals for being proud and wanting to walk on the water. Peter's not being impetus here. He doesn't jump out of that boat and start walking on his own. No, that would have been foolish. He's not that foolish. Matthew is very clear here. Peter asked for permission. If Jesus had said no, Peter stay in the boat. Peter would have stayed in the boat. He said come, and Peter came. Now, how can you criticize that? Folks, when Jesus says come, we better come. We better, when he says walk, even when we don't understand, we better walk. I believe in that moment, the smartest thing that Peter could do was to get out of that boat and walk on the water. So don't criticize Peter. I've heard preachers rate poor Peter over the coals for this. 
There are only two water walkers in the world, Jesus and Peter. So don't give him a hard time. Even when you don't understand, don't be afraid to celebrate the life that you have. See this lady, remember her, this is Irma Brombeck. Boy, I miss her writings. I tell you, when she died, a lot of good sermon material died with her. Whoo, a lot of good sermon material. She wrote 12 bestsellers. One of them was the most different than any of her books of humor. It was, I want to grow hair, I want to grow up, I want to go to Boise. Hmm. Now, that strange title came because she visited Camp Sunshine in Payson, Arizona, and it was a camp for children who were battling cancer. And the unique title came from a kid who shared his priorities with his counselor. He said, here are my three wishes. I want to grow hair, I want to grow up, and I want to go to Boise. Irma Bronbeck's book is a glowing testimony of hope manifested in countless boys and girls who had to grow up very quickly as they coped with the devastating effects of cancer. And they learned very quickly how to seize the moment, smell the roses, and continue to celebrate the life that they did have. Let me listen to what she said. At first I didn't think I would find much humor among the campers, but I discovered to my own spiritual growth how close humor is to love, hope, and faith. As one teenager said to me, would you be happier if we cried all the time? <laughs> See, the book vibrates with the exuberant lives of kids who face and overcome their fears. And every day they kiss the joy of life that they had. Listen to one paragraph from the book. Kids with cancer seem to have a gift of cutting through the what-ifs and the what-should-have-beens and what-might-have-beens and go directly to what is now. Bert was five years old and fighting neuroplastoma. He loved to draw. One day a visitor said to him, Are you going to be an artist when you grow up? And Bert, matter-of-factly, said, I am an artist. <laughs> Bert celebrated the life that he had. And what, what are we waiting Life is God's gift to us no matter. And even when we don't understand, and we are in the midst of a storm, celebrate the life that we do have. Seize it, and taste it, and experience it, and savor it, and share it, and thank God for it. All right, it's time for our review. Are you with me? All right, this is a good time for some of you to come back, all right? This is my review. <laughs> all right. Before we go on, when you don't understand, what do we do? Trust God, He will come to you. He came to them walking on the water. Celebrate the life that you do have. Get out of the boat and celebrate the life that you do have. Even in the midst of the storm, celebrate the life that you have. And then the other one is so obvious. When you don't understand, when you're sinking, pray. When you're sinking, pray. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, 
Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him, and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, we have no control over the storms that come. The sun may be shining today, and tomorrow we may find ourselves toiling against the winds and the rain of a tremendous storm that hit us just like that. Tossed about by adversity. Life can turn on a dime. I don't have to tell you that. Now, what happened to Peter can happen to any of us. For a brief moment, Peter took his eyes off Jesus. He took his focus off Jesus. And then he remembers. (laughs) In an instant, he looks down and he sees the waves and the storms. And he thinks, I'm not supposed to be doing this. I'm not supposed to be walking on water. This is impossible. But when he lost his concentration on Jesus, he began to sink. And there is a sermon in there. And as he is going down, as he is sinking, he prays the shortest prayer in all the Bible. Lord, save me. See, folks, when you're sinking, you don't have time to pray a long prayer. You may drown before you get the prayer out. Lord, save me. How many times have I gone through the day saying two words? Lord, help me. Three words. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Some days it's thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Most days it's Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. When you're sinking, pray. Lord, save me. And immediately he comes. Well, this is not in your text. But let me tell you the experience I had with Craig. And the experience was this. Remember the resurrection. It changes everything. When you are in the storm of death, And death looks imminent. Remember the resurrection of Jesus changes everything. Let me tell you how this came home to me. From seeing Craig, I traveled to Knoxville to Johnson University for graduation. As I was traveling down I-75, I got in an argument with God about what was happening to Craig And I was telling God how I thought and how I felt about it. And folks, I will admit I was angry. Not at Craig, of course. But I was mad at Satan and sin and the curse for robbing Craig of his strong body and cutting an influential life short and and taking him away from his boys. And I was arguing with God about it. And folks, it was if I heard in my brain somebody say, LD, hush, 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 shh, hush. Listen to the song that's being played on your iPod. And I heard, Christ the Lord is risen today. Alleluia. Lives again our glorious King. 
Alleluia. Where, O oh, death, is now thy sting? Alleluia. Once he died our soul to save, alleluia, where thy victory, O grave, alleluia, made like him, like him we rise, alleluia, hail the resurrection, thou, alleluia, king of glory, soul of bliss, alleluia, everlasting life is this, alleluia. And I said, okay, Father, I got it. I got it, I got it. Even in the midst of this storm with Craig and his family, Thank you for reminding me that even in the midst of this storm and the threat of death, the resurrection changes everything. Max Lucado says it best. Because of the resurrection, everything changes. Death changes. It used to be the end. Now it's the beginning. The cemetery changes. People once went there to say goodbye. Now they go there to say we'll meet again. Even the coffin changes. The casket is no longer a box where we hide bodies, but rather a cocoon in which the body is kept until Jesus sets it free to fly. The resurrection of Jesus changes everything. Amen. John Stott, my favorite scholar, put it this way. We grieve and we wait for the resurrection. When you don't understand, Trust God. He will come to you. I'm here. Don't be afraid. Celebrate life. Get out of the boat. Lord, if it's you, bid me come to you on the water. Come, come. Celebrate the life that you do have. And then when sinking, pray, pray. Lord, save me. Remember, the resurrection changes everything. Christ the Lord is risen today. Alleluia. 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 Pray with me. Father, there is so much in life that we don't understand. So help us when we don't understand to trust you, to love you, to listen to you. And know that you will come to us when life appears to be unfair. Our life is not going as we planned. Wrap your tender arms around us in those confusing times, Lord. And help us to trust you knowing that you will come to us. And that you will be with us. And you will see us through the storm. And you will get us home. And thank you that the resurrection changes everything. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and all God's people said, Amen. Today, we're going to give you an invitation to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you have never accepted him as Lord and Savior, I plead with you, I urge you to make that decision today. We have rejoiced over the last few weeks of seeing people do that, and it just, it just thrills my soul. I, I never get over it after all of these years of doing this. And I implore you, come and accept him as your Lord and Savior. Take advantage of today. 
we believe that you ought to belong to a local church. And if you've been visiting with us and you know about us and you're looking for a church family, we'd love to have you in the Bellevue family. So come and we will welcome you with arms wide open to our family. If you need to obey the Lord in baptism, come and we'll help you to do that. And if you would like to pray for you, don't be ashamed. You come and linger down here and one of us will pray for you. Those are the decisions that we're asking you to make, challenging you to make. Let's stand and you make them.